Rusty Quill presents. We've heard this like fucking ten times already. Can we fucking another intro, please? Fucking another intro, but it's too goddamn much to ask. Fucking tell me. Fucking wire rant stem. You know what I mean? Fucking like a bop, bro. Where's the bop at? Ooh. Huh. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's a bop. Yeah, like, welcome to Wireland Ranch. Yeah, like. <laughs> uh. Uh. Cash <laughs> We had to drop a bop because the shit gonna get kinda heavy. Hi, friends. It is with a heavy heart that I tell you, I suppose, it is time. Time to wrap this thing up and move on to the next where we will explore the Casa de Siena together and walk through those withered halls and watch the unfortunate snuffing out of lives for the sake of entertainment for those who have it all and with it all, the inevitable and unfillable void they have within their very souls the type of void that can only ever partially break the monotony of having everything. But to do that, I need you to take a trip with me, a slip-slide down the light fantastic before light itself existed. Yes, friends, in order to do that, we must go back to a time before time, and you guessed it, a space before space. And what does that even look like? How can such nothingness be conceptualized? I I know you have begun to pick up a pattern within our little tale here, and that pattern seems to be that everything always has and will always be the same, that the futile struggles of your life are struggles every thinking, conscious thing that has ever existed faces, survival, sex, inebriation, the cornerstone of what life is. The difference being, with humanity in particular, the knowledge of the end always looms behind the whites of your eyes, always rears its pockmarked face, driving those struggles further, reminding you to never be too happy, never be too complacent, because in an instant it will all be gone and you, my dear, dear friends, will ultimately return to the void, but... (laughs) But I will not. And that fact... And that fact alone affords me knowledge that would twist the neurons in your brain into knots of circling thoughts at odds with one another past the point of skirmish and force them into a devastating war in your brain that will undoubtedly plague the rest of your very short and very painful life until you make the decision to just end it. To place bullet into brain, razor into wrist or head into oven in a final attempt to make everything go away and once again return to the void but one of the things that you don't know is you have made that trip often you have walked this path and that incalculable times because a little secret i will let you in on there is only so much consciousness to go around you what you are what you 
have been what you always will be has existed in one form or another since before time or light or what we know as the universe. Nothingness at its core is the inability of consciousness to observe and in observation create what is known as reality. And you, friends, you clever, clever people have come close to figuring that out and that is the one sin those of my kind deem unforgivable. Because confirmation of this one and only true and utterly undeniable fact about reality will unravel the whole thing and leave all of existence, including my own, in irreparable shambles. So before we get started today, let's begin with a crash course in quantum physics, shall we? Uh, <laughs> I knew you'd just be so excited about that. Step into my classroom for just a moment and do not fear all the things that make a story a story. Plenty of death and drama and maybe, if you're lucky, some sex is heading your way. Not to be like hashtag Godcore on main, but don't promise them sex. Who exactly is gonna do this sex? I am tired of being some kind of interdimensional OnlyFans for those idiots down there. <laughs> what are you even talking about? Eh? They don't even know you yet, Lilith. What the fuck? <laughs> Hashtag Godcore. Hashtag Godcore. <laughs> we have serious, serious business to attend to. <laughs> We're not even sure that the incels have left yet. Let's, <laughs> let's give it some time. Fucking <laughs> quantum physics. Uh, heading your way, but I do find it prudent we all be on the same page. Welcome one and all to Ad Void Bro 669's Esoteric Quantum Phone Party Room! Every cat is both dead and alive and not really a cat at all, where superposition is our favorite position, where spooky action at a distance is the only action we get. I am your host, the one, the only, me. <laughs> you know me. We've been kicking it a while now, what it do and how it be. Now, I know you're all very excited, so let's just calm it down, because we have serious business, TMCR to deal with. So we all know what the double slit experiment is. Light beams are shot at a surface with two slits, whereupon they elicit an interference pattern on a distant observable screen of multiple bright bands of photon strikes divided by darker bands. This occurs because the wave interferes with itself after traversing through one of two entry points. If one photon at a time is shot through the slits, we should get two bands of light if a photon is just a photon. There should be no possibility of wave-like interference with each photon creating a particle of each band depending on which slit it ended up traversing. And when this is measured by experimenters and their equipment such as a sensor that counts photons as they pass through each slit. This is exactly what happens. Two bands of light created by photons behaving like a photon should in classical physics. But when that equipment is removed from the equation and nothing else changes, 
The photons are still shot one at a time. After 140,000 or so photons pass through, we again end up with an interference pattern. So with no outside influence, those particles aren't particles at all, but an expression of probability where a particle might be everything all at once until someone like you observes it, fucks it all up, and locks it into just one state. Which means what, friends? It means that without someone looking, the fundamental pieces of the universe are indefinite until they are forced to be otherwise. And while you'll hear a both a wave and a particle in reference to this experiment, know that it's always a wave, a statistical probability, until we observe it and force it into a discrete particle. We have had this knowledge available to us since May of 1801, thanks to a Quaker guy named Thomas Young, a polymath hated in his time because of his lack of respect for the apple guy. You know who I'm talking about. The gravity fella. But this has all been expressed to you to lay the foundation for a more recent experiment. In the late 1970s, one Mr. John Archibald Wheeler realized that experimenters could further delay the final, let's call it choice for lack of a better word, until the photon had made it almost all the way through an apparatus designed to emphasize one property I know you over another, about this, proving that the photon's behavior is not everything see and smell. By and using two beam splitters, one to separate the quantum wave into separate directions and brain, one to realign it further down the path toward a pair of detectors, which detector is ultimately aimed and how light behaves is determined by the difference in the two paths links upon becoming recombined via a second beam splitter. Not even but if the second beam splitter is removed after the photon passes through the first, the photon is sent down one path or the other like answers to the Upon reaching the position where the second beam splitter would have been, both detectors are pinged with equal probability regardless of the links of the separate paths created by the first splitter. Gravity keeps you held to the, the only way this experiment works by as described as like if the act of measurement has retro the world that you go you would follow meaning that what happens now travels back in and time the to correct the record the glitter of making what we observe now the truth oil the and trash the land even if it and wasn't that because way the pagan gods you allowed to privatize the fossil fuels then the crops then the water you need to survive you let them convince you to give them everything for a 0.01% chance of becoming a one of them you bought into social Darwinism to might make right more than 1200 kilometers away overturned money change and determined that when the poor and the entangled photons is observed into regardless children how far away the photons are there in another of the society, the love of quantum violence and meaning for any more levels of unlike you, not a state you arrived at of your own volition, but rather one you bought and paid for in other over words, time. Knowing one in any quantum state immediately defines the other. All you ever had to this do was stop participating in light because did. that would violate They ran their software. The only way this works is that that measuring act jumps back to the on the terms of service and now here you are and now to the observational result in the future. This is what Einstein referred to mockingly as spooky action at a distance. 
And the moral of this evidence of these thought experiments and paradoxes is simple. Without observation, there is no reality, but it goes deeper than that. Since you're on your way down back into the caves until the time comes again to rebuild, to accept new petty gods who will do those same things, it really doesn't hurt for me to fill you in. It really doesn't hurt for you to know you are a mass of atoms with the ability to observe themselves in short, yet repeating cyclical bursts of 60 or so years. But before we go down that road, that road that will always bring us back to the heart, inevitably always back to the demiurge, we should take a hop and a skip through time and visit the place where this story began. Yes, friends, let's head back round the bends, the halls of Wireland Ranch, and then I promise I will take you to the beginning, not just of this story, but rather the beginning of all stories. Previously on Everybody Loves Wireland. No worries. Just thought I'd stop by and tell you. The delivery driver is free. Good luck, fellas. Motherfucker. There goes my money and my bitches. <laughs> Let's take a look inside that brain, shall we? Let's go down to Overseer Town. Flashback music. Joseph, take our hand. You want to know what she's doing right now? Because I do. Don't you want to know? <laughs> Joseph, do not listen to it. You can turn it down. You can make it stop. Take our hand. We will show you how to turn down. Turn me down! You see a fucking volume up on my face? I'm an individual with rights! What the, what the fuck is that thing? It's, um, rather hard to explain, but we can tell you if you are sure you wish to know. Only there would be caveats to that knowledge, because we can assure you this is still reality, regardless of how it seems. The potential remains that through incomprehensible possibilities, only one of two things is likely to occur. What these things are we cannot afford you. We can tell you that you seem to be in the unfortunate situation, for reasons beyond even our awareness, to break a cycle that has been spinning for millennia. If you choose to go that route, we assure you it will come with immense hardship and pain, as does the route of an action. So while this isn't really a choice, you will never see the fruits of that labor. You will never see the sunshine on the other side of everything. <laughs> Will I see my family again? I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time recalling what they look like. My, my children, I, I, I can't. Do, do I have children? I know I have children, two of them, three. Depends. 
if you refuse what we offer. No, if you accept, long enough to say goodbye. But the goodbye will not be easy to stomach. (laughs) As Joseph considers this, as the thoughts run through his brittle, parasite-fractured brain, images of the people he has known and loved float in the periphery, swaying hazy, nondescript, mere oasis hallucinations his consciousness manifests, coping mechanisms in this alien place, though, as he wills those apparitions to farther reaches, his children, his lover, his mother, but never his father, he begins to understand that maybe this is not such an alien place after all, the room he finds himself in, and yes, friends, it is a room, a room hanging precariously over a sickly pink landscape atop a tower that melted upwards into existence from the disease-blushed terra firma, but still a room, nonetheless. And this room has a soft glow, a warmth he hasn't felt since days well before, before his open-heart surgery when life was still carefree as life can be when viewed through the lens of innocence before it had been systematically destroyed by pain and anger and cynicism and, well, reality. After all, friends, we all know reality comes for the best of us and leaves behind a rotten corpse of dismay and fear and anger that hangs about waiting for a ticket back to the void. The glow envelops him and clears his mind, a word we are choosing to use loosely right now as there is no other way to convey the nature of what this is. So for now, mind will have to work. The walls surrounding him are Seemingly crushed velvet expanses of space condensed to sparkled barrier, gleaming and glittering galaxies spinning softly within infinity shimmer. If he could step inside, if he could just... Joseph, you need to make a decision. The thing between us will not stop. Cessation is found nowhere within it. Perpetual. That's the only word we'd use to define it. Talking about me up there? I can feel coursing, coursing through your veins. The adrenaline keeping your heart thumping. Wow, such a fine home you're making for me. <laughs> such a warm and welcoming family unit we will make. <laughs> palindrome, having pulled Joseph to safety and immediately shied away to the darkest corner of the room, obscuring itself from our overseer, giving him the space to adjust, to acclimate and accept, hoping he would come to the necessary conclusions alone, now move slowly into the soft glow. What our driver sees before him as it slips forward from the shadows is a mass of contorted angles that seem to bend back on themselves, breaking, shifting, reforming anew with each calculated movement, an amalgamation of chaotic and ever-shifting patterns which appear to slide in and out of his perception, bending the very fabric of reality around it, reflecting an array of colors from a spectrum nothing that lives has ever seen, taking in the particles of matter from those stardust walls and blending them back into itself and then back out again, pushed into the environment, dulled and though his mind cannot discern, permanently altered, as each atom 
leaves something of itself behind, something that can never again be retrieved. It's okay, Joseph. I am not how you perceive me to be. This is more a translation, a soft whisper from the other side of the rift. One day you will know, but now is not that time. For when that time comes, you will know not else. <laughs> we cannot hold it forever. You can leave this place. We can show you how. Okay, uh, show me. Joseph spins wildly through the veil of space and time. A steady numbness overtakes him, whirring, incomprehensible, moving at what could very well be the speed of light, cycling through nebulas and compressed pillars of helium that used to be hydrogen that used to be nothing. Endless chains of chemical reactions, quantum experiences much like his own body, strapped to a chair in a dimension that defies all of this, while simultaneously ushering the whole fucking shebang along toward an inevitable end that will turn out to be only a beginning of something else. Watching all his delusions of truth melt away in the sheer magnitude of what begins to settle before him, here at the very edge of everything above it all where no man has ever ventured, the palindrome now a mere haze floating along before him again takes his hand. He can feel the touch of it, the warmth radiating through his arm, pulsing waves through his body despite the fact that his body seems to be gone. He begins to slow, the maddening rotations easing their trajectory to waning vibrations, the blur that had consumed him in the cosmic pirouette, the shapeless miasma gathering details. A sunny day in downtown Blythe, slowly piecing itself together like fragments of a broken mirror in reverse. And friends, you'll never guess where our driver finds himself, this time from a slightly different perspective. As observer rather than participant, it seems he finds himself, as do we, outside the door of Reynolds' limited curiosities, where lost objects go to be found. Funny, isn't it? How you spin and twirl, make progress, Give yourself a sense of accomplishment, but find yourself, without fail, at square one. The environment may have changed, the torrent of information spilling like a waterfall, churning toward the future, but everything always is, and always has been, right now. He watches the scene from multiple perspectives at once, from above and below, as both player and audience, multiple information streams filling out the scene and remarkable detail. He watches himself press the button beside the door. He watches as it does not depress as he pushes the door with his hands that seemed so real at the time, the way it swung in hard and the wince twisting his features as he envisions the destroyed curiosity display case he just knew he was going to ruin. Envisioning the day's earnings drop to zero, he can 
hear the bug murder zap noise of flickering fluorescence. He can even see the worms rising through them now, though he did not before, and dust particles floating from ceiling to floor disturbed by the slightest movements or changes in atmosphere. The expression of fear on his face as the white noise ring blares from his phone, the calculated calm of the everywhere voice directing him to the desk, which then awakens to reveal a neon sphinx gnashing at him out of fear and anger, a prisoner unable to break the bonds that hold it in limbo. The rainbow worms fall from the ceiling, powdered white glass rains down on our driver from above into his hair, settling between the fibers of his clothes. Those fibers themselves just more atoms vibrating at different frequencies, the whole fucking scene before him, each different object and energy, all made of the same things while pretending to be something else. Everything is always nothing more than matter with an identity crisis. The scene settles, plays out as it always has, and our driver watches the apparition floating from beside him to the back of the room and through the door, and with package in hand, he exits the building the way he came into the seat of his car. The first few chords of House of the Rising Sun plays from his speakers, another trick of existence, converting gathered electric energy into mechanical energy, compressing air molecules into vibrations, and sending them out into the ether to be pieced together by fluid within his cochlea, vibrating 25,000 nerve endings, transforming those vibrations into electrical impulses to then be processed by his brain to again become music. But as the car disappears into a cloud of dust and speeds off in the direction of Pop's gas and sundries, the scene does not move with it. We are left here to see what happens next. Down the road a ways, a corporate retreat at a local hotel convention space has gone awry. Employees lined up in a circle around the cocoon of smoke and dust that had been their CEO, one Mr. Nathaniel Godwin transcending his human form, shedding his earthly flesh to move on to more ethereal pastures. Each employee in the circle, one by one, placing a cylinder in their mouths, tears dripping down their faces, their experiences blinking deep within their brains, all the illusions of Life playing out in quick-cut montages, reducing the whole of their existence into a few flashing moments. Each and all, they press a button on the cylinder and just like that, everything they are collapses into particulate aerosol, immediately pulled into the rotating sphere at the center. They know what is happening, you can smell it in the air, the fear of knowing death arrives quickly and without escape. The two employees who refused the cylinder refused to kneel before this amalgamation of sacrifice and tragic fragments of consciousness wasted in what can only be deemed as magic, were unceremoniously shot in the back of the head by a bullet large enough to decapitate them. It was a gruesome scene, and a scene that only had to be repeated once to make everyone else fall entirely in line. Though Joseph cannot see these things, he knows they are happening. Every detail entrenched within his memory, though the memory was never witnessed. He can see the last employee carrying out their grisly obligation, destroying the lives of their children, their spouses, their parents, and siblings. So this billionaire can covertly unhinge the door of forever. And really, is that any different from the average employee of any corporation proliferating under the veil of human misery? The cogs do no harm on the surface, but 
There is a well of greed and anger and pain slowly pushed into the heart of this home we share, this home stripped of meaning and purpose for all of us for the sake of a mere few. He can see the last of them explode in a cloud of promise sucked into the swelling womb that holds their illustrious leader and that womb expands breaking the walls of the hotel in an unfathomable blast, taking everything within range down with it, and spits Godwin toward the curiosity shop to complete the last leg of his ritual, to finally become what he knew he'd always be, to transcend this world that he and others like him destroyed long ago, and all he has left to do is consume a god, MVD. Joseph can see him in the distance careening toward the shop, the car pulling away from the parking lot, sound waves chemically reacting, a familiar tune. Watch this. It's our favorite part. LOL, he thought he had it all worked out. Thought his timing was perfect. The dumb motherfucker. As Godwin falls back to Earth toward the space Joseph occupies, this curiosity shop somewhere between then and now and here and there, it disappears, winked out of existence, and Godwin lands hard, the equivalent weight of a small nuclear explosion destroying everything within a five-mile radius, turning what was once a downtown anywhere Main Street into a mass grave of families and pets and rubble. And while I ask you to consider the human cost of such an explosion, you should know. Investors were also harmed in the destruction of this property and money was lost that will take at least a week to return to their account. Open your eyes, Joseph. It's over. And he does. It takes a moment to adjust to the light, but he finds he is still observing Reynolds' curiosities, only now inside, standing before a shelf with thousands of years of orchids and flames and somewhere on that wall though he does not know how far back is at least one person from his family line who shared the same fate. More than one. Maybe somewhere in there you may even run across yourself again. You can render this all, this case, these jars. You can render it all meaningless. You can break these chains. But in doing so, you will likely break the world as well. Probabilities on that scale are too vast to calculate. Once the superposition collapses, once uncertainty becomes the opposite and every possibility gives way to the only possibility, nothing will look as it does now. Nothing will be the same. We can think of no better descriptor to explain that state to you other than broken. Outside the windows, above the door, there is only stark, starless black and blithe has been destroyed so there is no telling where he actually is. The more he considers asking, the less he wants that question answered. The palindrome gestures hazy toward the door, the same door his protector had disappeared through after setting the ragged sphinx back into its place. This is the last chance. We can return back to the confines of your mind, and you can let that thing chase you for the next 50 years. Though to you, it will seem far longer, damn close to forever. Or you can walk through the door, once you do, the decision is made. There is no going back. Not for you. Not for anyone else. One more moment, please. That is agreement. Goodbye, Joseph. All the 
As he considers a final plea for more time, he hears the fracture of wood like a chair breaking in slow motion, the crack and fissure of tree nymphs molting their flesh in ancient forgotten forests, a deep growl, the hiss of a snake, he turns toward the noise as the desk again pulses neon glow, shaking off its black disguise, the sphinx stumbles forward drunkenly, spots of glowing phosphorescent purple blood seeping from old wounds, the serpent at its rear dragging along the floor, tongue pallid and still. The growl grows louder in the malnourished lion chest as it approaches, a growl that does not indicate weakness despite the rag of a body it emanates from within. There is power there, potent mix of fear and anguish and something else, something our driver cannot put his finger on, something akin to hate but only when love also happens to be at play. Joseph locks in place. He looks over to the haze where the palindrome had swayed to find it empty, to find himself alone in a shop of what might as well be the edge of everything with this monster jaw agape, eyes frozen with a starvation stare fixed solely on him. See you all again next week down here, round the bend. <laughs>